Good morning. It's good to see you today. It's a beautiful day. We're glad that you're here. Very thankful for your presence this morning. We hope and pray that our time together will benefit you. Grateful for the opportunity to come together to worship God, to reflect upon the death of Jesus on Calvary for our sins, and to encourage one another. And so we're very grateful for this opportunity. If you're visiting with us, we want you to know how much we appreciate you coming our way. We're grateful to all who visit us regularly. We would encourage you, if you're looking for a church home, to please consider the work here. We'd love to have you come and be a part of our, of our family. We'd love to have you help us do all that we can to make known the name of Jesus, not just in this community, but around the world. I want to ask you, if you would, to turn with me to 2 Peter, the passage that Tim read a moment ago, 2 Peter chapter 2, specifically verses 6 through 8. 2 Peter chapter 2, 6 through 8. In our study today, we're going to be talking about the decadence of sin. And as we look at 2 Peter chapter 2, we are reminded of the fate of the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah. Sodom has become synonymous with sin and with the decadence of sin. As we look at the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah and we think about the way those people chose to live, it's interesting that Peter speaks of Lot, identifying him as a righteous man. And so in light of what Peter says, we gain insight into living righteously in an unrighteous world. And really, that's a picture of the world today, isn't it? We live in the world, but we are not of the world. And we understand the devastating effects of sin and unrighteousness. Sin will ultimately lead to the downfall of cities, nations, kingdoms, etc. Solomon wrote many years ago, Righteousness exalteth a nation, but sin is a reproach unto any people. Sin destroyed the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah, and sin is gnawing the foundation of cities all around our world tonight, or rather today. And so I want us to look at 2 Peter chapter 2. And as we look at 2 Peter chapter 2, I want to begin by first of all talking about godless, godless Sodom. Because Sodom was a godless city, the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah. They had a reputation. And the reputation that they, that they maintained was not a good one. As a matter of fact, the Bible tells us, first and foremost, that they were sinful. You remember back in Genesis chapter 13, strife had erupted between the herdsmen of Lot and Abraham. And the Bible tells us that Abraham quelled that situation in the long ago. He said, look, let there be no strife between us. Why? Because we're brethren. So he told Lot, he said, here's what I want you to do. You survey the land, 
You decide where you want to go. If you go to the right hand, I'll go to the left. If you go to the left, I'll go to the right. And Moses tells us in Genesis chapter 13 that Lot lifted up his eyes and saw the well-watered plains of the Jordan. And no doubt he made his decision on the basis of what he saw. And so the text tells us he pitched his tent towards Sodom. And the Bible tells us in verse 13 of chapter 13 that the men of Sodom were exceedingly wicked and sinful against the Lord. Now, you know, we talk about sin and the dangerous effects of sin. The Bible says that all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. John would tell us in 1 John chapter 3, verse 4, that sin is the transgression of the law. Here were cities that were given over to sin and to unrighteousness. And it's true that we can sin against one another. We can sin against family members, against friends, against people in the community. But ultimately, when it's all said and done, sin is against whom? It's against the Lord. That's what Moses said. They were exceedingly wicked. We know from reading Genesis chapters 18 and 19, the real problem in the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah were homosexuality. The Bible says not only were they sinful, but they were shameless. Note, if you would, what Peter says. Pick up with me in verse 6. Peter, in this context, is talking about the danger of false teachers in the first century. And as a result of the dangerous work of false teachers, Peter wants his audience of people to know that, look, God will one day judge those people. And so what he does is he uses examples from the past to speak of the certainty of their judgment. And in verses 6 through 8, he identifies the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah. And he said that God turned these cities into ashes. He utterly destroyed, annihilated, consumed these cities. The Bible says He condemned them to destruction, making them an example to those who afterward would live ungodly, and delivered righteous Lot, who was oppressed with the filthy conduct of the wicked. The word filthy here really means shamelessness, unbridled lust. Here were people that had a passion for sin and unrighteousness. And so they indulged themselves in their sexual appetites and in the things that they wanted. As a matter of fact, in verse 8, Peter talks about their lawless deeds that Lot heard and saw their activities. Now, you know, we live in a very brazen time in America, don't we? It's amazing to me how in many respects, as a nation of people, we have lost a sense of shame, haven't we? Not long ago, I saw a couple of individuals, a man and a woman, and I'll be honest with you, I could not believe 
what they were wearing, or maybe I ought to phrase it, what they were not wearing. It was utterly incredible. And the sad thing is, they had no shame. And the people who were, who were present at this outside mall, as one of the individuals paraded up and down the mall, People were looking in amazement. And it's almost as if this individual was oblivious to what was going on. We've lost our sense of shame, haven't we? You know, I think about the language that people use in America. Television, radio, daily conversations. People use profanity regularly. Say things that I can't imagine people would say. And yet, we're supposed to be sophisticated, aren't we? I mean, this is modern America. And yet, the language that we use in many instances shows our utter lack of regard for God, a sense of shamelessness, and lack of respect for ourselves and the English language. I can only imagine the things that Lot saw and heard. And I, I can just, I can be very honest with you today. There are things that are going on in America today that I would never have dreamed of 25 years ago, 30 years ago. Would you say the same? Wouldn't you say that we've lost the ability to feel ashamed that our actions and the actions of others. You know, Jeremiah in Jeremiah chapter 6 talked about a nation of people that were in covenant relationship to God. He asked the question, were they ashamed when they committed these abominations? And do you know what he answered? He said, no, they were not at all ashamed. Neither could they blush. They had become so desensitized to sin and unrighteousness there was no sense of shame. And let me tell you what, that's where we are in our country today. There is no sense of shame. I cited a moment ago, Proverbs 14, verse 34. In chapter 14, verse 34, Solomon hit the nail on the head when he said, Righteousness exalts a nation, but sin is a reproach to any people. The reputation of Sodom was not a wholesome reputation. And as I think about the reputation of Sodom, I'm reminded of the Lord's revelation about Sodom. You remember over in chapter 18 in the book of Genesis, God had already called Abraham to become the father of the Hebrew nation. Abraham and Sarah, they, as you well know, had that child of promise by the name of Isaac. And God said in the long ago, shall I hide from Abraham that which I'm about to do? What God intended to do was literally destroy the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah. And so, in this revelation, there are a couple of thoughts here. 
First, we see something about the compassion of the Lord, don't we? You remember Abraham, upon learning of the fate of the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah, began to barter with God. He said, Lord, if there are 50 righteous people in the city, would you spare it? And God said, yes. The Bible tells us that Lot eventually got God down to 10 righteous people. And I would assume that Lot and some of his family members would have been among that 10. And God said, if there are 10 righteous people, He said, I will spare the cities. And you well know there were not 10 righteous people in those cities. And so, what did God do? He condemned the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah. Now, you need to understand something. God is not interested in anyone being lost. God loves all people. I, I, I am convinced that God loved the people in the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah. In the book of Ezekiel, Ezekiel wrote many, many years ago in chapter 33, verse 11, God said, I have no pleasure in the death of the wicked, but that the wicked turn from their evil ways and live. That's what God wants. The Bible says God would have all men to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 4. Peter said, God is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. God is interested in lost people. God was interested in the people who lived in Sodom. God demonstrated His love and compassion for people in sending Jonah in the long ago to the Ninevites. And by the way, they were Gentile people. And so, as we think about the state of Sodom, Sodom was, by all accounts, a godless city. But I want you to think with me for a moment or two about the godly saint, spoken of by Peter here, a man by the name of Lot. And listen again to what the text says. As we think about the deliverance, first the destruction of godless Sodom, but now the deliverance of a godly saint. Peter said, turning the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah into ashes, condemned them to destruction. Now note what he says, making them an example to those who afterward would live ungodly. Could I say this today? America, we're on notice. The world, we're on notice at large, aren't we? Doesn't matter what nation it is, doesn't matter what city it is, doesn't matter what group of people, what clan of people, what kingdom of people, God said, look, Sodom and Gomorrah, an everlasting reminder, as long as time stands, Sodom will stand as a monument to how I will deal with ungodly people. So you want to live a godless, brazen, shameless, corrupt life? Have at it. But I got news for you. I will bring you down. That's what God's saying. I'll judge you. So we talk about the deliverance of Lot. First, his escape. You remember in chapters 18 and 19, as I said a moment ago, Abraham bartered with God, interceded on behalf of the cities, Wanted God to spare them. 
And God was willing to do so if He found ten righteous people. Unfortunately, the ten weren't found. And so two men identified as angels appear in Sodom. And they are there for the purpose of getting Lot and his family out of town. The escape of Lot. The Bible tells us that they informed him in a very specific way. These cities are going to be destroyed. God in heaven is going to rain fire and brimstone down on these cities. He will annihilate, He will consume these cities. They wanted to know about His family. You got family in this city? They better get out. The Bible tells us that Lot, his two daughters, and his wife escaped the city. But you know, when I look at his escape, I recognize that there was some residual damage to Lot pitching his tent in Sodom. It cost him greatly. His expense, the Bible says that the two men married to his two daughters, that what was being said, they thought, they thought, you know what, this is just a joke. Ever talk to people about eternity? You talk about the danger of living in sin? the consequences of sin, and people just say, you know what, that's, there's nothing to that. I don't buy into that. And they laugh you off. That, that's, how, that's how the two sons-in-law of Lot reacted. They just laughed it off. Let me tell you what, Lot lost those two boys not only did he lose those two boys, he lost his wife too, didn't he? The Bible says she looked back, turned to a pillar of salt. You know, there's something to be said about the people that we associate with. Lot thought he made the better of the choices. I would imagine had we had the opportunity to interview Lot when Abraham said, look, you look to the left, if you like the land to the left, I'll go to the right. If you want to go to the right, I'll go to the left, whatever the case may be. I can only hear Lot saying, you know what, I got the better of that deal. I got, I got him on that deal. He didn't get the better deal. No, he lost his family, didn't he? Some of his family members. What was it Paul said, 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 33, be not deceived, evil companionship. What does it do? Corrupts good morals. You can't run with the devil and his people and live a godly life in Christ Jesus. It can't be done. If you run with a bad crowd, I want you to know you're going to end up living like the crowd. You want to live like the world? Have at it. But you need to understand it's going to come with a cost. Paul said, the wages of sin is death. Romans 6.23. Let me tell you what, here's what Paul's saying. There is a payday someday. These folks paid a terrible price 
And you know, Lot's the one that made the decision, didn't he? Because of his decision, it impacted his family. The decisions that you make as the leader of your family will impact your children and grandchildren. Did you know that? If you're not regular in your attendance to the worship of Almighty God, don't think that your children, when they get older, are going to be faithful to God. They've, they've seen your example. They watch how you live. And you know what they're going to say? Not that important. If you put school and other activities before the Lord, they're going to see right through that. There will be residual damage. So I think about the deliverance of Lot, and then I think about the distress of Lot. Note, if you would, what is said in 2 Peter chapter 2. The Bible says that God delivered righteous Lot, verse 7, who was oppressed with the filthy conduct of the wicked. The word oppressed here means to be tiresome. Cares with it the idea of growing weary. And so the sin of Sodom became tiresome to Lot. Lot is identified as a righteous man. Two times in this context he's spoken of as a righteous man. And what Peter is saying is that over time, what did it do? It wore him to a frazzle. Beat him down, wore him out. And then, note if you would what is said. For that righteous man dwelling among them tormented his righteous soul from day to day by seeing and hearing their lawless deeds. The word tormented here, it means to keep on tormenting, to harass, to vex. It's used of a ship out at sea. And that ship is facing a strong headwind. So what's the picture here? As a righteous individual living in an unrighteous world, we're faced with a headwind, aren't we? You ever feel like you're constantly butting up against the world? Yes. And Peter said, speaking of Lot, that he tormented, he, his soul was vexed or harassed because of the lawless conduct of the people who lived in those cities. Let me share with you some things today that I think help to put into, into perspective what it means to live in the world today. We're trying to live righteous lives, aren't we? In many respects, we are, as Lot was, the minority. We're the few. Jesus talked about that in Matthew chapter 7. And you look at the world, you look at our country today, and we are facing a stiff headwind. The world is moving in one direction, our country is moving in one direction, and we're trying to move in the opposite direction. It's as if we are streaming, that we are swimming upstream. Did you know that 67% of Americans, would you listen to this? 67% of Americans approve of gay marriage. 
That was reported in USA Today, May 23, 2018. Two-thirds of America now approve of gay marriage. Did you ever think you'd see that in this country? I am not so naive to believe that some of the 68% might even be members of the body of Christ. I have no doubt that many of the people who approve of gay marriage would identify themselves as quote-unquote Christian. Staggering. Staggering. To think that we live in a country that would now be accepting of a lifestyle that the Bible clearly, unequivocally, explicitly condemns. What was it Peter said? That God destroyed the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah and made them, listen, an example to all who will live ungodly. Does God mean business? You can answer that. Let me tell you what. There are a lot of folks that have shaped God in their own image, but I want you to understand something. I want you to understand it because I think it's, it's spelled out from cover to cover. God does not play when it comes to sin. You hear what I'm saying? God doesn't play. We can soften our attitude towards sin. We can wash it away and say, you know what, it's not that big of a deal, but I've got news for you. God does not play when it comes to sin. Did you know that 54 million Americans age 12 and over have used prescription drugs for non-medical reasons in their lifetime? We've got a drug problem in this country. One in ten Americans struggle with addiction. Pew Surveys says that 46% of adults in the United States have a close friend or family member who's been addicted to drugs. What does that say? Nearly half of our population who are adults have a friend or family member that is struggling with some type of chemical dependence. Alcohol or some other kind of drug, it is a problem in America. When are we going to wake up? Don't you think that the people in Sodom, don't you think they should have woken up? better wake up. We better wake up in this country. better wake up in this world. And then add to that over 60 million abortions in America. 60 million, let me just, let me call it like it is. 60 million murders. The Bible still reads, God hates the hands of those who shed innocent blood, Proverbs chapter 6. We have a lot of blood on our hands. Sure do. I found this staggering. Forty million people in our country regularly visit porn sites. Pornography is a 12 billion dollar a year business in this country. Did you know that? Twelve billion dollars. Ninety-seven billion dollars worldwide. The porn industry 
has more annual revenue than the NFL, the NBA, and Major League Baseball combined. The porn industry has more revenue combined than NBC, CBS, and ABC. What does that tell you? Tells me we've got a big problem in this country. It's a global problem. There are a lot of folks in our world, there are a lot of people, look, there are a lot of folks in the church struggling with pornography. We're living in an unrighteous world, and we're trying to live righteously. Paul said we are to live righteously, godly, righteously, godly, and soberly in this present world. Murder, I mentioned abortion. Murder's commonplace in America. Lying, cheating, stealing, everyday stuff. Profanity, as I mentioned a moment ago. Now listen again to what the Bible says about Lot. It tormented, it vexed his righteous soul day by day, seeing and hearing their lawless deeds. Do you ever get tired of seeing the smut on television? Do you ever get tired of hearing the profanity, and reading about the things that are going on in our world, don't you ever just shake your head and say, you know what, I've had enough of this stuff. So here's the question, what can we do? We know the problem. What then can we do? Can we do anything? First and foremost, we have got to act like Christians, don't we? We, gotta, we, got, we have got to let people see that we belong to God, that we're His people. Peter said, you're an elect race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for God's own possession. Look, the problem today is we're not living distinctive lives in Christ Jesus. The world needs to see New Testament Christians day in, day out. We can transform the world, number one, by how we live, being an example. And then I think secondly, as children of God, Look, it's past time for us to stand up and to speak out. Do you agree? I mean, look, the left is militant. And there are folks in this country, there are folks in this world, they are doing their dead-level best to shove their agenda right down our throats. They want us to accept how they live and how they act and how they talk. Let me tell you what, in a kind Christ-like, loving way, we can say, you know what? We're not going for that stuff. We don't have to allow this stuff to overtake us. When Paul and Silas went to the city of Thessalonica, they were charged with turning the world upside down. It's time that we turn the world upside down, right? We have the gospel of Christ. You know what's going to change this world? It's only the gospel, isn't it? That's it. We have the answer, we have the remedy, we have the resources. Just got to do it. So, I want to close today by encouraging all of us not to lose heart. There have been folks in the past like Lot who've had to live around the muck and mire of sin. And we're no different. But we can be an example 
We can be evangelistic. We can do our best to reach people with the gospel of Christ. In reaching people one by one, guess what happens? We change the complexion of a city. We, we change the complexion of a family. And ultimately, we can change the complexion of a nation, can't we? It's only through the gospel. If you're here today and you're not a Christian, we would urge you, we would encourage you to come to Christ believing that Jesus is the Son of the living God. Do you believe that? You know, Jesus said in the long ago, He that believes and is baptized shall be saved. If you believe Jesus to be the Son of God, you would willingly repent of sin, confess His name before others, be buried with Him in baptism. God will then put you in the church, Acts 2.47. And then the exhortation is to be faithful until death, the promise being the crown of life, Revelation 2.10. If you're here today, and let's just say for whatever reason you've gone back into the world, you're now identified with the world, could we encourage you to come home? Come back to a loving God who will abundantly pardon as we stand and sing.